Good morning. Hey, let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. So blessed to be here with you all. This is my first time in Africa. It's been an incredible experience. I'm here with my son, a good friend of ours. We have uh, some other family from Miami here as well. And as your pastor mentioned, the rest of the team will be getting here throughout this afternoon. So blessed to be here. Know Pastor Ken Graves. Know your pastor for many years as well. And it's just a joy to be here. But let's pray and see what the Lord has for us this morning. Lord, we thank you. We, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you've given us everything that we need, Lord, uh, to walk in your will, to follow you, to love you, and to serve you, Lord. Thank you that you've given us what we need for each day, including today, God. And we pray as your word goes forth that you would fill us and strengthen us and renew us, God. So we just love you. Holy Spirit, we ask that you'd fill us afresh and anew, that you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit. So we just love you. We thank you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So we'll read 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verses 1 through 5. It says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears. They will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Paul is writing here as he's in prison, He's in chains. He's on death row. Soon Caesar will cut off his head at best, and at worst he would be crucified. Because he was a Roman citizen, he wouldn't be crucified, so he was hoping for the best would be having his head chopped off. And he's writing to his son in the faith, Timothy, his last and final words. And when we have few time and little words to share with someone that we love, We make sure that they're important. We make sure that they're from our heart. We make sure that we're really saying something that means a lot to us. And Paul begins telling Timothy that he charges him. Uh, That word charge, it's as if Paul is bringing Timothy into a courtroom and the judge is God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son and he's testifying before God the Father and before Jesus Christ the Son, the great weight and the charge of preaching the Word of God. Imagine someone bringing you with God the Father and Jesus Christ there and saying, hey, I charge you to do this. This is so very important. Paul says that Jesus is going to judge at His appearing and His kingdom. Paul knows his life is about to end, and yet he's still looking for the return of Jesus Christ. 
how we should all be ready to see Jesus Christ today, whether it's through the rapture or whether it's through dying, whether it's personal rapture or a collective rapture of each and every one of us. Paul had not lost hope even though everyone else abandoned him. Paul was all alone in this prison cell, only one or two friends still with him, still going to visit him, still going to feed him. And there in verse 2 he says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. The word preach is the same word that would be used for a herald proclaiming on behalf of their king. It's the king's official messenger, the king's official announcer. And what would a herald say for the king? Would the herald say his opinions of the king? Would the herald say what he wants to say of what the king told him? No. The only job of the herald was to speak exactly what the king told him to speak. To speak exactly what the king had written out for this herald, for this messenger to speak. In fact, in ancient times, if the herald would speak something different than the king, they would be put to death. And for us today, we've been given a message from our king. And we're not to speak our own opinions or our own ideas or our own desires. We are to preach and proclaim the very word of God. The, the hearers of the herald were not his chief concern. He did not care what the hearers thought, how they felt about what he spoke the only thing that the herald thought about was if he truly represented his king and if he truly represented the king's message. And we see this in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2, it says, You shall not add to the word which I am commanding you, nor take away from it. We're not to add to God's word. We're supposed to take it as it is and receive it as it is. In Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 32, it says, Whatever I command you, you shall be careful to do. You shall not add to it nor take away from it. And in the last book of the Bible, Revelation verse 20, chapter 22, verse 18, there is a warning for all mankind. It says, if anyone adds to the words of this book, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. We live in a day and age with many false teachers. And we're going to see in a moment, it's because people don't want to hear the truth. People want to hear what they desire to hear. We must also preach the word of God in its proper context, in its true context. Some people take God's word and they take one small part and they make it and they stir it up to their own desires and their own meaning. We must preach God's word intelligently and we must preach God's word according to its cultural environment and historical environment, not twisting scripture to what we desire. Context is 
king when it comes to the word of God. Paul has been reminding Timothy about the word of God over and over and over again here in 2 Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, Paul tells Timothy, Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, he tells him, Hold fast the pattern of sound words. In chapter 2, verse 2, he says, The things you have heard from me, commit these to faithful men. In chapter 2, verse 15, he says to rightly divide the word of truth. In chapter 2, verse 24, he says a servant of the Lord must be able to teach. If you would turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, just one chapter to the left, we see how powerful the word of God truly is. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it tells us all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is telling us that God's word is the very breath of God. It's not just man's ideas or man's notions. It's the very breath of God spoken to different men to write down exactly what he wants them to write. And that's why Paul is telling his son in the faith, Timothy, stick to heralding the word of God. Proclaim the word of God. Stick to God's word. Then he tells them to be ready in season and out of season. And for agricultural reasons, there's different seasons. There's a mango season or a corn season. And here he's telling us to preach God's word, whether it's the season or whether it's not the season. We always need to be ready to proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ. We always have to be ready to preach the Bible if it's convenient and especially when it's not convenient. In every season, in good seasons, proclaim the word of God. In bad seasons, proclaim the word of God. In difficult seasons, in bad health, proclaim the word of God. And in good health, when things are doing well and things are sweet, proclaim the word of God. Each of us need to do our part in speaking the word of God. It is the very breath of God that we are repeating. And God's word is able to reprove, rebuke, exhort, and we need to do it with great patience and instruction. You see, the man and the woman who's proclaiming God's word is not just proclaiming God's word for us to meditate on it or just for us to think about it or just to put a check mark, I went to church this Sunday. God's word is meant to go out and accomplish action in our hearts and our lives. When God's word comes to us, we need to say, God, 
what should I change because of your word this morning? What do I need to change? What needs to change in my life? One of my favorite verses speaking about the word of God is Jeremiah 23, verse 29. And he says, Is not my word like fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? God's word is a fire. It can keep us warm. It can give us life. It can create energy in our lives. And God's word is also like a hammer. It breaks our hard hearts. It breaks our hearts of sin. God's word can do mighty things in our lives. Another scripture that speaks about the word of God is Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. And it tells us that the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the division of our soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. There's no other book in human history that you can read the end and you can read the beginning and it makes sense and it still lines up with one another. There's no other book that you can be going through a difficult season And as you're reading through the pages, God's word can speak to you something that applies to today, that speaks to your heart today. Paul tells him to reprove. That word reprove, it means to convict someone. It's to prove that someone is guilty. God's word shows that we are guilty, that we are sinners, that we don't deserve heaven, that we need Jesus Christ. The second word is the word rebuke. Someone who rebukes someone else is to criticize them sharply. It's examining and judging someone as a critic to find a fault with them. If you have a coach or a good teacher, they will look at your work and they will criticize your work so that you can be better, so that you could be stronger, so that you could be smarter. And God's word, it examines our lives and then it judges, it critiques us so that we can be better men and better women, so that we can be better sons and daughters of God. Then finally he tells them God's word is to exhort, that is to influence someone by words or advice, to urge and encourage someone to a greater course greater activity, and greater strength. God's word, it encourages us. It encourages us to be strong men and women in the faith. It encourages us to be obedient to God even if it costs us our family, if it costs us where we are at within our city, if it costs us our social strength. God's word encourages us this. And all of this is to be done with great patience and instruction. How our God, he's a good father. And a good father deals with his children with patience. Patience and constant instruction. And as men and women, we need great patience. God's word says it's long-suffering. 
We need to be okay with suffering for long periods of time. Then in verse 3, verse 4, and verse 5, Paul warns Timothy that there's a time coming. And we all know that this time is here today. Both in Eldoret and in Miami, where I'm from, there are many churches, but there are few Bible-centered churches. There are many churches with lots of people that want to hear a message that makes them feel good or a message that tells them God's going to give them more money or God's going to give them more health. But there are very few churches that teach the truth of God's word. Verse 3 through 5, it says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, be watchful in all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. One commentator, his name is A.R. Fawcett, he says, instead of regarding the will of God, they dislike being interrupted in their lusts by true teachers. When we're living in sin, perhaps you're living in sexual sin, and a teacher tells you the truth, it cuts you to the heart. And if you dislike the interruption of your lusts and desires, you will put away that teacher to find a teacher that says what you like to hear. This is a danger for all of us. Oftentimes we like a pastor until he tells us something we do not like. For the husbands and wives here, you love your husband, you love your wife until they tell you something you do not like to hear. Then all of a sudden there's a little anger, there's a little friction in the marriage. Just because a pastor or a teacher is the most popular pastor or teacher does not mean that they are the most biblical or beneficial pastor and teacher for you and for your family. Think about your children. Do you want your children to be lied to? Do you want your children to be given lies over and over again? No good father, no good mother wants their sons and daughters to accept lies as truth. This is why we need to seek out good Bible teachers, not just teachers that tell us what we want to hear. The word itching, it's like, it's those that like to hear teachers that give them more pleasure, more pleasure, whether it's in sin, whether it's in their own lusts, or whether it's in a more comfortable lifestyle. We need to desire teachers that give us the truth of God's word. And this has been happening since the Old Testament. In Exodus 32, the children of Israel are waiting for Moses, their true pastor. Moses is up on the mountain speaking to God. And at the bottom of the mountain, the children of Israel, it says that they gathered together to Aaron and they told Aaron, come and make us gods that will go before us. They forsook the true teacher Moses 
and they didn't have patience for him. And they went and they sought after a pastor that would give them what they desire and their own lusts. It tells us in verse 4 that they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Many people, they know the truth and yet they don't want to hear it and they go towards the lies. If you would, we'll just read this portion of scripture. Romans chapter 1 verse 20. It speaks of the worlds and of human beings leaving the truth of God's word and turning over to lies. Romans chapter 1 verse 20 it says, for since the creation of the world, in his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them to uncleanness in the lusts of their heart to dishonor their bodies among themselves." who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. There's a warning for all mankind that we desire to change and turn away from the truth of God's word and we go for the lies. It happened with Adam and Eve. Eve knew the truth of God's word and she exchanged it for the lie of Satan. Adam knew the truth of God's word. And he exchanged it for the lie so that he could continue on with Eve. There's a danger for us. Sometimes because we are in church, we think we don't give in to the lies of this world. And it's possible for many of us to turn away from the truth towards lies. David Guzik, he gives us a few lies, a few fables. One fable that church people think of is that we need to earn our way before God. We need to earn our closeness to God. No, the moment you are saved, if you believe in Jesus Christ by faith, you're close to God. There's no closer you can be to him. Now, you can be closer to his will, but you are righteous and just in the eyes of God. There's the fable that God only loves you when you do good things. That if you don't read your Bible one day, you feel bad and you condemn yourself. No, God still loves you the same way. There's also the other fable that if God loves me, he's going to give me exactly what I want. Any good father, any good mother knows we don't give our children everything they want because it would be bad for them. It'd be bad for their health. The last fable that David Guzik points out is the fable that we should walk around thinking of ourselves better than others 
because we are Christians. We are better than no one else. We are sinners just like everyone else. And we need to be humble and pray for other men and for other women. And I love verse 5. Paul does this several times throughout 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. He says the list of bad things that are going on and then he points to Timothy and he says, but you, you are called to be different. Even if our world, even if Eldoret is going in one direction, God looks and says, but you, you are called to be different. You are called to follow God and to follow his word. He tells them, but you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. We need to be watchful of our own lives. We need to be watchful of the lives of our family, the lives of our children. We need to be watchful in the lives of our friends, in soberness, not having drugs or alcohol affect our judgment, not having guilt or shame affect our judgment. God's word tells us that the fear of man is a snare. The fear of man is a trap, but the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God leads to knowledge. The fear of God leads to understanding. The fear of God leads to purity and righteousness. So the next time you make a decision, ask yourself, am I doing this because I'm afraid of people or am I doing this because I respect my God and my creator? We need to be watchful in all things. John Calvin says, the more determined men become to despise the teachings of Christ, the more zealous should godly ministers be to assert it and the more strenuous their efforts to preserve it should be. The more our world says lies, the more we should stand in the truth of what God's word says. Family, do not allow anything to cloud your judgment and slow you down. Do not be drunk with liquor. Do not be drunk with your own pride. Do not allow bad doctrine or your hobbies to twist your view of God and of his word and of sin. Pay close attention. Be filled with the Spirit. Share the gospel and fulfill your ministry. Here Paul is calling Timothy to the stand, to the judgment seat with Jesus Christ and with God the Father there, and he's telling Timothy, pay careful attention to your ministry. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, it tells us to walk circumspectly. That's as if you were walking on a tightrope walking on a very thin string, and if you fall, you fall to your death. We need to walk being very careful, paying attention. Am I walking away from God? Am I leaving God? Am I turning away from Him? Pay close attention to our lives. Then he tells them to endure affliction and hardship. 
Now, your life, it's more difficult than us, than us at home. And even us at home in America, our life, we need to be willing to endure hardship. We all, as believers, we have brothers and sisters in Africa, in America, in India, in China, and they are enduring hardship. They're being killed only because they love Jesus Christ. And each of us, we need to be willing to endure hardship for our love of God and for our love in Jesus Christ. Life will be hard. God's word promises us tribulation. Jesus tells us in this world, you will have tribulation. But then what does he say? Fear not, for I have overcome the world. So sometimes making decisions for God, it will create affliction in our family. It will create affliction in our city. It will create affliction in our jobs because we don't want to lie or do something dishonest. We need to be willing to allow life to get hard and endure, stay in the difficulty looking to God. We could think of Daniel. Daniel endured affliction. He was thrown into the den of lions. All Daniel had to do was not pray or pray secretly. But Daniel wanted to be true to God no matter the cost. We need to be true to God no matter the cost. We need to be a good soldier, a good warrior, a good wrestler, a good farmer, a good athlete for the things of God and for God's word. And then he tells Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. All of us are told to do the work of an evangelist. Now there are some who have the gift of evangelism. I don't have that gift, but I'm still required to do that work, to go out and share the gospel, to go out and share the truth of Jesus Christ with my friends, with my family, and with strangers that we meet in the streets. We are called to, as Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 says, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Speak the truth of sin, the truth of heaven, the truth of hell, but do it all in love, with patience and with instruction. And then Paul tells Timothy, fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. God has given to each of us a specific ministry, a specific job, a specific task to accomplish. We need to finish absolutely everything that God has called us to finish. We are to leave nothing undone. We need to finish our job 100%. Don't leave things undone. Don't be lazy in the things that God has called you to be. Each of us are called to be obedient and to fulfill the work that Jesus has put in front of you. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10, It says this, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For there's no work or device 
or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. God tells us to be hard workers. God tells us to not be lazy, whether it's at job, whether it's at home with the family, whether it's here at church. We are not to be lazy. We need to do our work with all of our might. And this is what Paul tells Timothy, his son. Complete all that God has asked of you. Have you completed all that God has asked of you? Has he asked you to serve more at church? Has he asked you to invite someone to church? Has he asked you to leave a certain sin? Has he asked you to start doing more things for him? We need to do all that God has asked of us. And it's important. Paul did not tell Timothy to do exactly the ministry that Paul did. Paul told Timothy, fulfill your ministry. Timothy didn't have to be just like Paul. Timothy did not have to accomplish all that Paul accomplished. All Timothy had to do was fulfill the ministry that God had called him to do specifically. Sometimes we look at other people and we can feel bad because they're doing something that we're not doing. No. Take a step back and say, God, what are you calling me to do? We need different Christians in all areas of life, all areas of the church, all areas of the city. We need to be fulfilling our own ministry. So whatever Timothy found his hands to do, whether it was something big or whether it was something small, whether it was something very important or something we think is not that important, he needed to do it with all of his might to please his king. Is this the same for you and for me? Are we doing all that we can to please God? Whether right now what you have to do is school, whether what you have to do right now is work, whether right now your marriage, all the marriages that Pastor Josh was speaking about, whether right now you're raising small children, fulfill your ministry. Sometimes we can despise the day of small things. Our life becomes boring. God, do you not have more for me? Do you not have more for me? I'm doing this small little job every day. I'm stuck with the children every day. God, do you not have bigger plans for me? Zechariah chapter 4 verse 10 warns us, who has despised the day of small things? Do you know what made King David such a great king? Because he was faithful to his father's few sheep. And because he was faithful to his father's few sheep, fighting a bear and fighting the lion, then he would be ready one day to be faithful with more sheep and with the kingdom of God itself. Be faithful. Be faithful with the few sheep that God has given you. The only thing that's required of a servant is to be faithful. Be faithful. That's what God calls you and me to do. Be faithful to what he has given us. Because one day he will judge the living and the dead. Fulfill your ministry. What are the things God is asking you to do? Go out and fulfill those things. We'll just read these scriptures and then we'll close soon. He says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, 
and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul is not afraid of death. Paul is here on death row. He's waiting to be executed and he's writing to his son in the faith, I'm about to depart. I'm waiting in the airport, waiting for my plane. That's what Paul's saying. I'm here waiting in the airport, waiting for the plane to take me from this life to the next. Paul's not afraid of death. And why could Paul be so strong? How could he not be fearful of death and execution? It's found in verse 17. He has fought the good fight. He has finished the race. He has kept the faith. Paul has told Timothy, fulfill your ministry. And Paul is here able to say, Timothy, I have fulfilled my ministry. I have done what God has called me to do. And because I've done what God has called me to do, I have no regrets and I'm ready to see him face to face. For you and I, do we have regret? We may have regret in the past, but from here on forward, we can live a life obeying God and doing what he's called us to do. And that will lead to a life with few regrets. Think of Paul, a man who once separated men women and children only because they love Jesus Christ. A man who once persecuted the church. A man who once killed Christians and yet he can be here saying, I'm ready to see the judge of the living and the dead. It's because he was obedient and faithful to God. He walked in the will of God. So I encourage you to fulfill your ministry. What is God calling you to do today? Maybe it's a small step. Maybe it's inviting someone out to lunch. Maybe it's inviting someone to your home. Maybe it's inviting someone to church. Maybe it's telling a friend, we can't be friends anymore because you're hurting my walk and relationship with Jesus Christ. I encourage you, fulfill your ministry. Focus on God's word and seek out teaching and teachers that give you the truth of God's word. And I know here at Calvary Chapel, you are given the truth of God's word. So let's pray and then Pastor Josh will come back up. Lord, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for your goodness towards us, God. We thank you for your grace and mercy that when we fail, when we stumble, how you still love us and you encourage us and you tell us to get back up again and follow you as a son or a daughter. So Lord, we just ask you, help us. Help us to follow you. Help us to not be so fearful of men and of women, of mothers and fathers, of children, of co-workers. Lord, help us to be more concerned with what you think than what even family thinks. So we just love you. We thank you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.